And welcome everyone to Films with a Little Bit of My Life. My name is Brennan, and joining me tonight is Mama K. Hey, I'm first and last. Nice. First and last, and only tonight. <laughs> and because only. we are doing Licorice Pizza. Licorice Pizza is mm-hmm. Paul Thomas Anderson's new movie. And it's just us on because it's two and a half hours since Paul Thomas Anderson. I don't think Justin Nicole would survive his movies. I, I Have you seen many of his other movies? He's one of our biggest working auteurs today where he writes and directs. Uh, I really, yeah, I really only think I've seen, um, I don't know if he directed it or wrote it, but There Will Be Blood, right? Yep, he made, he, he did both. Yeah, um, and you know, I've seen parts of parts of boogie nights i think but she punch drunk love i haven't seen i've seen parts of that too like really minimal of that uh, you didn't see phantom thread when that came out uh, a couple years ago no it was on my list many many times to see and i just haven't seen it yet it's still on my list of things to see Hmm. uh i've i've seen them all i've seen every pta movie uh this is his ninth feature uh, I think he's only made one bad movie, which was Inherent Vice. I really don't like that movie at all. It doesn't make any sense. It's complete nonsense. It's impossible to follow. <laughs> uh, but every other movie he's made is is good to great in some degree. Uh, I think my favorite... Uh, it's hard to say my favorite because I just saw Magnolia and the Master for the first time this year. And those are like three-hour epics. Um, but And most of his movies are pretty long. But I, I like like to love all of them in some degree. I think he just makes really quality stuff. And this is... It's a ninth movie, it's in theaters now, and it's the story of Alana Kane and Gary Valentine growing up, running around, and going through the treacherous navigation of first love in the San Fernando Valley in 1973. Uh, mm. Apparently he's wanted to make this movie for a long time, and he got the, uh, the I guess, he lit, the, lit a fire under him after uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out, because he really liked that movie. And Tarantino, okay. one of the other only few writer director auteurs, gets to do whatever he wants with his movies, and uh, so he was uh, inspired to finally get through with this one, which he had been thinking about for a long time. Uh, so, if you haven't seen Licorice Pizza, it's in theaters, and I think only theaters right now. Um, could get awards possibly. It's getting nineties uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, eight, over an eight on IMDb, which is that's tough. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, IMDb is tough to get over an eight. Um, so pretty pretty well received so far, and yeah, we're going to spoil it now. San Fernando Valley, 1973, and our story centers on 15-year-old Gary Valentine and 25-year-old Alana uh, Kane, and uh, he is getting ready for high school picture day, and she is a photographer assistant, and they strike up a conversation, and that's what kicks off their relationship throughout the movie. Uh, it's he Gary is a very um, he, he's a child actor and he's getting a little older but he's got a lot of charisma and he's uh, very forward and uh, he's a hustle he likes to hustle um, and he you know he's, he's he goes pretty hard with his life and then uh, Lana's a much more drifty she's prone to outbursts um, but they they strike a friendship relationship kind of thing that goes throughout the movie and it goes through through the different hijinks they do, because the movie's pretty loose. It uh, it doesn't jump around in time. It follows a linear path. Um, it jumps small bits of time here and there, but uh, they do a bunch of different stuff with uh, movie stars and selling waterbeds and opening pinball <laughs> arcades and working for politicians and all kinds of other hijinks. So that is the best I can do with the plot for Licorice Pizza. Okay, what would you think of this? 
yeah, I don't know that plot's the right word. I didn't feel like it was a plot. I feel like I was just sort of watching something happen that I wasn't sure had a real point. Um, and it, it's, a, it's totally engaging. I mean, this is sort of in the sweet spot of my life. I was probably, you know, a younger than them by eight or 10 years, but this all looked very familiar to me. And, um, the, the pieces about it that are just a little bit unbelievable that you have to get past to buy into the story is the fact that he's 15 and she's 25. Um, yes, people I talk mean, about sh- that. Yeah. Uh, Not, sure. Well, you know, in the movie, less so, honestly, more uh, nowadays. Like, more nowadays, but more then. I mean, in real life, then this would have been a real problem. Um, it would have been a problem if the, you know, if the genders were reversed too, but this, this would have been a real problem because, you know, weird, super weird being, you know, sort of having, of course, boys always had crushes on older women's dad, but to have somebody women, but to have somebody actually sort of, you know, entertain. Isn't it weirder, isn't it weirder now? Wasn't, I mean, I, I know it's only, this is only, fi- well, it's 50 years ago. It's really not that recent, um, but <laughs> right. there were, there were relationships between, Usually it was a younger woman and an older man, but like there, there were yeah. age gaps and they dipped into what we would now consider inappropriate. I don't think that that, I think even then it was considered inappropriate. I don't think that anybody would look at this and think this is a good idea. Uh, the fact that he was, I mean, as you know, the, these people are late boomers, early, uh, you know, some, maybe some of the surrounding ones are like early Gen Xers and it's a latchkey generation, but I can't imagine that his mom would be that out of touch. I realize that she's basically a momager of those days. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems it, there's some key points that you have to buy that it's not, that it's not a big deal that there's a 15 year old kid that is this, um, I mean, they're all precocious, but he's precocious enough to actually have some ideas that are kind of brilliant. I mean, the waterbed thing, Oh, that's not, that's not great, but it turns into the arcade, which is, you know, that, that was the living entity for 15 years back in those times. So, um, yeah, I think you just have to suspend a little disbelief and jump into the era a little bit. Yeah. And it's just, it's really, it's, it's just, it's, uh, it's a slice of life, but I didn't really get uh, a lot of what's going on. It was just, it sort of felt, and you know how I feel about this, but it, it felt pretty indulgent as far as like, I just want to relive this part of my life and I want you guys to come along for the ride. So, and that's fine, but at two and a half hours long, it clocks I thought you'd be more long. interested because it's you, it's where you grew up in. in, it in is. Or, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's totally, that's what I mean. It's, for me, it's totally recognizable. I think for a lot of people, even people my age, if you didn't grow up in a large city or near a large city like that, it wouldn't be very relatable. Um, I, and it's obviously a big deal for, you know, people who like film. So I can see why it's getting such high ratings because some people would look at it and have no idea what they're talking about. They don't even mention it. I mean, the name is Licorice Pizza, but they don't even mention it, I think, in the uh, in the story, what that means. So, um, it's just, I don't know it feels like niche and I feel, think it feels niche because it's his story to tell, you know, it's really not that it's autobiographical. I, I understand it's probably about another person and then ha- and then to have like real life figures thrown in, all of that makes it really interesting. It's just really slow and it's too long. I think it could have, it could have done, uh, wonders if it had another, half hour scooped in editing, maybe even more. 
Hmm. I, I really like this. I think this is one of his better movies. Uh, hmm. I think this, this is top half for me. Um, it's, it's just, it's one of those, uh, ones where I sit and smile the whole time where you just like got a grin on your face the whole time watching it. I totally had that this entire movie. I, I was thinking I was writing up my end of year reviews for all the movies I've seen this year. So I was, I was catching up and I finally got to this one because I just saw this one, you know, most recently. And I was thinking, I was yeah. like, I don't think I would change anything except for the last two to three minutes. Other than that, I kind of loved everything. I kind of just was, I was with it the entire time. I like, mm-hmm. uh, I like that we, like a lot of, if you talk like plot, like a lot of people didn't like how loose it was. His movies are generally on the looser side. Some are strong, are more plot driven than others, but, um, I like that I, I didn't, I didn't, but I didn't feel lost though. Like when all of a sudden, like she meets the early on first third of the movie, she's there together for like a little bit. They meet the other child co-star who's a little older. And then in the next mm. scene, all of a sudden they're not together and he's at the dinner table with them. And then all of a sudden we flash again and then they're not to get their, you know, separate and then he goes to a waterbed store and then the next scene he's selling waterbeds like i like that we we but i like that we move like that because a a lesser movie would waste on exposition this is such an like no exposition but also not needed because i think pta is kind of a master i think he's just kind of a prodigy and makes things that i understand completely and i think he also makes things that like come out entirely as I think he intended. It's not like, uh, I wish I could have changed a few things here or, or tightened something up or missed this. I just think this is like pure id of what was, what was going to come out. And I, 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 it's super funny. Like I love, I love all the little snippy dialogue. Um, and I, it's, it's almost like perfect, like writing kind of style for me because it's in some scenes are so short. Some scenes are like two seconds, and I but I needed it. Like when someone just slams the door, and then they just, like they freak out, and then they're onto another scene, and then that scene's like five minutes long, and then it's just I I, I can't. It's like per, it's like kind of perfect to me, honestly. Except for the end, I really dislike the last two or three minutes. Um, Maybe that's what, what did it for me because I didn't think that the end that the movie deserved the end that it got. So I don't know what you do. Disappointing. Like, and yeah, I, I'm trying to think of like his other ones, but the, I, I usually like his ends. Like I don't like Phantom Thread that much, but that's a great ending. Uh, there will be buds, one of his best. That's a great ending. Yeah. Um, that, that might be his best ending. That is so good. I, I rewatched that last. <laughs> there will be blood ending over and over all the time. Uh, it makes me laugh very hard. Uh, uh, it's not funny. It is hilarious. It's so funny. <laughs> no, it's oh, what he's doing. <laughs> So um, I mean, this could, this should have ended the other way. I think this should have ended uh, as an unrequited romance for him, and then I would have, then I might have a more. It's not that I have a disfavorable view view of it, but I kind of feel like I wasted time on something that could have been interesting, and it just turned into regular. Is that how you feel about the end? I, yeah. So I mean, we're in spoilers. The end. Yeah. They finally kind like actually get like they actually kiss, and then yeah. at one point, it's a weird. 80 yard feeling kind of line where they're running off together and she and it says she says i love you but it yeah. doesn't like actually it, it, i think it was 80 yard and i'm like that's this is so out of place everything else has made so much sense to me and this last 90 seconds is uh, or even just end it when they're they're running to each other from one she's running from the the politician and she he's yeah, running and he's, from the arcade just end yeah. it with them embracing at that point and then you can leave it kind of ambiguous and i'm like oh, that's good that would that would work for me but i don't yeah. like this last two minutes of 
now that we the I the, the I didn't need I don't have a problem with the 15 25 year old age gap I think any story can be told and be told interestingly and that's fine because art's fine yeah but this is an but, illegal age gap so this is something that's not that's not okay well like, i think it is but no i think in a movie it is fine like there's a couple movies i like where like there's pedophiles who are the, the main character well, and like they're movies... the heroes and like sometimes it's okay to have a bad person or an un- unacceptable thing be the main thing and then still have a good story around it i just i i just don't it felt it felt tacked it didn't it didn't it, it didn't feel um it didn't feel like everything else. Yeah, it just didn't feel it just didn't feel right to me. It didn't feel right. The age gap didn't feel right. The fact that, you know, she kind of was going out with this other guy and he and uh, the main character, I can't think of his name. Her name is Alana. His name is something else. Um, didn't really care, but also wanted to punish her for doing it. It's all very it's very male gaze oriented i have a feeling that a lot of people who watch this movie are also men and they can might maybe relate to it a little more on a different plane than i do so um what's the main character's name gary gary yeah yeah son of hoffman yeah uh and i thought he was fine i the girl who played alana i could see her doing a lot of things i would i think i would like to see her in and other stuff. I think she had a character that was, you know, pretty complex, but didn't have a lot of things to say. And it, until, you know, until certain parts of the movie. And I, you know, part of it that I hate too is like she's the baby, and so she's the one who's like, I, you know, pie in the sky, troublemaker. Even though she's not doing anything bad, but she's not, you know, on the plane of her sisters. So it's, it's just. Ugh, it's a little too maybe that's a little too close to home i don't know um yeah i i really like she, her though and i think i would like to see her in she's from the band uh i uh, how do you pronounce it? it's their last the three sisters Haim. and it's their last name is it Haim? i thought it was maybe Haim. Haim. yeah Haim. Haim. okay uh and yeah, she's not like an actor actor and this is his this is cooper Hoffman's first movie i think they're both really good i i, I think they're both gonna keep doing more things more because I, I think I feel like both. he's trying to act like his dad. I thought that he was really. Off. I thought he was really good. I I was impressed. And his his you dad didn't, didn't feel like there was a slimy aspect to him a little bit. Well, like he it, felt like a schmormy fifteen year old, and that's and he was cocksure, perhaps. <laughs> probably, I just don't see. I liked like his. Having, from the first scene that the two of them are together, I'm already in there. I'm in for the ride. Like immediately. First, like usually sometimes it takes me some warming up. Scene number mm-hmm. one where they're, do, where they're, where they're, they're uh, standing bar- in line. Yeah. Where they're barbing back and forth and they're walking yeah. and also everything's shot perfectly. Every fucking, yeah. RPG. Everything. He's just such a that. good movie maker. Like it's just, it's uh, uh, like, I'm so used to watching some movies now. I'm just like, I get like worn out by like how like like what we just watched um uh, what was it up uh, don't look up funny look movie up, yeah. I liked it but like you can and people can it looks like an SNL set you compare it to this to that and it's like it's not even a comparison this is um this is like uh, I would show this to anybody like this is just such a movie and I just there's no other way to describe it every scene no this is a, a film and that's a movie that's different fine like, okay this is right yes but. Even well, even so, I I, th- I think this is just like like I don't know 
I know there are people who wouldn't like this. I just don't. I truly don't understand something like this. There, I understand other ones that are like less accessible. I think this is just pretty accessible too. I think like you know, everyone was young. Everyone did a thing, and and there's the cartoonish. Some of them adult characters, and it's a it's a. Those solid... are real people, though. That's the funny part. Is like the ones that. Well, you yeah, like a lot of them cartoony. are real. I totally remember, as, as the movie's going, like, I didn't really look up much about this before I went in. I knew what it was about, um, and I knew the time frame. And when I saw some of the characters in it, I was like, I remember a story about that dude. You know, the guy who's trying to be the the mayor of the town or whatever. I know a story yeah. about him. What is the story that I, I couldn't remember what it was, but I knew that I knew from back in the day. Uh, and then to see John Peters uh, have such a big... <laughs> funny role in this. Was John Peters like, a thing back then? Because I only know him yeah. contemporarily now as being just kind of awful. But was he a thing back yeah. then? Well, the thing about it, you have to realize that, that you're talking early 1970s and there's not uh, there's not even entertainment tonight. Like, there's nothing like that. There's, uh, there's all we had was talk show, like Johnny Carson kind of stuff. And then you'd have to wait for a magazine to come out once a month so you could find out the gossip. I mean, there was none of this you didn't know anything about anybody until it was over and it was all PR'd to death. So uh, the thing about John Peters is that he was, you know, Barbara Streisand had had these really big. Streisand. Uh, yeah, Barbara Streisand had this, these Streisand, sand, sand, um, had these really big romances with all of these really great actors and things like that. And then all of a sudden she falls in love with the hairdresser. And that's who John, he was just a hairdresser. He wasn't anybody anything he was a hairdresser to the stars but he was but that's not like let's not like nowadays where that person would have you know a million followers on instagram it's okay. just a guy so um when that thing happened and it was a big like there was a lot it was it was very drama filled for the time so uh seeing him and recognizing who he was was pretty fun um who else well uh, the, I, sean uh, his Penn's character sean penn plays jack holden who is clearly based on william holden um, yeah, yeah. And then clearly. I don't know if Tom Waits' character is based on a r real director. The, the, the In this movie, his name is Rex Blau. I don't know if he's based on yeah, a I don't know. Why, Billy Wilder. Or, I have no idea. Because they're both like over no, the but hill guys. You can guys. imagine them. Yeah, yeah they're both 50, them in that time. 60 star guys. And now it's the 70s. So now they're just like old and drunk and fucking yeah. around. Um, yeah. But like, John Peters, I knew because. He he has like a producer rights thing with the original Stars Born, so he right. had to produce the twenty or they had to give him credit as a producer in the twenty eighteen one. Executive and producer, then Bradley Cooper yeah. gets to play him in this one and make him look like yeah. a total insane person. <laughs> so I thought that was nice. I feel like though, just thinking back, that that's I mean, you we, everything was really glossed over back in those days. But I think that what you saw in this movie was probably pretty accurate you know and it was one of was the it always it was implied he was favorite. gay because i got that implication with the guy who was at the yes. house and okay yes that was the big implication right? i didn't know if that was back like then sort of yeah if you were a hairdresser you were definitely gay that was like you know men men didn't do men were Is he gay? i don't know i have no idea he's like i have no idea but now, that was like... also that was also an assumption that that was the case um yeah, and that was one of my favorite parts of the movie, actually, with the everything having to do with that truck, 
which is that is the most like plotty that's the most where like you feel like a thing's happening like it's a story a little story in the bigger story happening right the whole gas you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop and when it does it doesn't drop the way you think it's going to and it keeps moving it along and i like that about it i like that you know i thought oh their gas their truck ran out of gas and now of course they're gonna run into the guy whose you know car they just broke the windshield of and and there he is, but he just, you know, he doesn't recognize it. So he's like, okay. I'm like, this is great. I like that. I like this. Uh, you suspend belief that they can get a truck, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, you suspend well, a lot thing. of belief he runs, kid. he runs all the businesses, but like, like is but he he's runs... 15. He doesn't run shit. Well, so... he has to run. Like, there are things happening and like, he is I the know, person but... doing it. Like, we, we only see the mom in a supporting role and really the first third and then after that it's him and alana running pretty much everything yeah that's true in the movie but like they're trying i think he's trying to say this is like this could be real life i don't think this could be real life i mean it could be real life maybe for this guy only and that's that's it i just i don't know i in my head like back then things were just looser you could just kind of do whatever and also everyone's (laughs) selling bullshit like everything's like when there's like the the waterbed uh what is it what happens if you fall asleep with a cigarette oh the water's so cool it won't burn through (laughs) well what about in the winter well that's the thing it's cool in the summer (laughs) hot in the winter right it's got a heater for the winter but that's kind of just what i assumed everything even even it took me until like adulthood like Get, to me, and I know I'm young, so I shouldn't think this way, but like getting Amazon packages in two days still blows my mind, or one day. Because growing up, <laughs> growing up, I assumed if you ordered something, you'd maybe get it in eight to ten weeks. More than likely, yeah. you would never get it. And if you didn't get it, That's you were true. never going to get, rep, like, ever going to be compensated or anything. I just kind of right. assumed everything was a scam all the time until I realized, oh, no, there are <laughs> systems in place and, like, things actually work. But I assume, like, if you don't get it right here like a thing, you're and even if you do, you're someone's trying to pull the wool over your eyes. No one actually right. has a good product. Everything is worth less than they say it is. Like, I, I assume <laughs> well, that-, that forever. So when I watch this stuff, I'm like, yes, this is how I assume it always was because I assumed everyone was just grifting one another for, you know, well, that- a it's thousand not years. Untrue- it's not untrue now that you're still getting shitty things and you think you're ordering something else. So it's no, but know, the difference is you order from Amazon, you know you're going to get something. Whereas you order from you know you're an ad on Twitter and that's selling like bean socks or whatever, and then you're like, okay, I know you know the different. It's it's more obvious now, but I just assumed always back then like, oh, you're mailing a letter that there's a there's a forty percent chance that will never get there. <laughs> like I just kind of assumed that. I don't know why. I oh yeah, that. I mean it's it's insane the way things work because like again, you mail a letter and it's five days but it's going you know a hundred miles away why is that taking five days and now it's like okay it's now and then when it it, part of its big city stuff too because it felt like california even though it's on the cusp of like everything new things like that always just took longer like when we moved here i could send a letter in the morning to somebody else in the town and they would get it in the afternoon and i'm like how does that happen? And I don't, I see that as being a factor of time, but it's also like, you know, actual. A failure of California. I know that they're. Uh... Well, yeah, I mean, they're, <laughs> I they're, they're in the real most, trouble, aren't they? The, yeah. They, the, the everything best falls. government in the world. <laughs> no, that everything that, if it's going to happen, it happens there first. So watch out. It's coming to your town. Um, so I don't know. It was, it, it really should have made me feel more, more nostalgic. There was a movie we watched earlier in the year or maybe late last year about a kid on a skateboard. Um, oh, mid nineties. Yeah. And that, even though that was the nineties, that kind of felt more, 
uh, I felt, I don't know, more connected to that because this was just a really small enclave. There are a lot of great things in here that people aren't going to understand. Like when they talk about the difference of being, you know, in Encino and being in, in, in okay, Sherman that, Oaks. That I mean, was the other big thing. thing. Like I know that stuff one little, a little bit through you, but also because all the other podcast lists do more than half are based in LA. And so I've learned yeah, the lay of, right. I've learned Burbank and La Brea and I, I know like, and PCH, I know all that shit. But yeah, yeah if you're not versed in California shit, then it might fall right. flat on you, which honestly, that's part of why I didn't. I didn't love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and that's why I was a little worried going into this one because I knew it was supposed to be similar. Uh, but I mm-hmm. thought this was. I am mid nineties, honestly. I thought both, this is better than both of those. I didn't. Mid nineties yeah. was a fine. Once Upon a Time was fine, but I really like latched onto this one. This one made sense to me. Yeah, there were and there were things about this one I really really loved too. The um, the wallpaper that's in her house is probably super period wallpaper and I probably went through 30 years of hating that afterwards and as soon as it came up on the screen I was like oh my god I love that wallpaper so it's I like the nostalgia the of everything coming yeah the kitchens people smoking I know Nicole in the house would be infuriated and... by them because we've been lived in apartments where we had <laughs> similar looking shit and, yeah. I was, and I'm just like oh this was cool back then <laughs> Yeah, kitchens were always small. They were just a galley kitchen, basically. You know, you walk in the middle, and there are two sides, and that's That's all there is. Old-looking shit stove, and those wooden panel garbage (laughs) uh, cabinet. So much wood paneling. Yeah, but but there's uh, a gym every so often, like that wallpaper. There was a couple of lamps where I was like, oh, I can dig that lamp. Uh, There's a little bit more about the freedom of. I mean, they did walk a lot, which. If you're in the valley, that's not really uh, possible. I mean, I was surprised about how easily everyone ran everywhere all the time. So like, much running in this movie, and I was like, I was like, I could never. I like maybe it's just because no. we're all out of shape now. But like, I, I, I was yeah. like, no, what? Like, I, I, if it's over a quarter mile, you know, I'm already thinking about the car. <laughs> Well, and th- we already had skateboards by then, so why weren't people using skateboards, you know, or something, or a bicycle? There wasn't, the only bicycles were, you know, not a lot of bikes. when they're all piled up. You what? I said not a lot of bikes. The mo- Someone has no. a bike at one point when there's the gas shortage part, but I don't even yeah. think it's a main character. Oh my but God, the, that was a They're seen, but, the so yeah, was that, how is that in comparison <laughs> to what you remember? Because I, it's hard, that's another thing hard to fathom. Well, it's not hard to fathom if you equate it to standing outside and trying to get a COVID test right now. That's pretty much the same thing as standing in line to get gas. I suppose, uh, but you need one COVID test every couple of months. You need gas right, every week. Yeah. Like. So that was pretty, I mean, I think it was a little exacerbated because it was Los Angeles. I lived outside the city. But um, yeah, I totally remember gas lines and you were only allowed by 1980. So this is 70s. This is when it was just first starting. So, but by the, by uh, like the end, middle to end of Jimmy Carter's um, presidency, you could only have, you could only get gas on certain days. So if your license plate ended with a even number, you could go on even days. If it ended with an odd number, there was so much to think about, you know, it's, it's really weird. There were things to think about like that. It, there was also a water shortage at the time, just like there is now because the place that you live, they live in California is not naturally supposed to be inhabited. And, there was a water shortage. I must have 
I must have through osmosis like just assumed this would be forever because even though I was never alive, I'm like, yeah, this all sounds like if you told me 12 year old, I'm like, yeah, of course you can only get gas on certain days. And yeah, sometimes <laughs> some days you just don't have water. Like, eh, that makes sense to me. None of that makes sense to me. I mean, it makes sense to me from the olden times. It makes basically it makes sense to me from like 1973 to 1979 or 1980. But after that, it doesn't make any sense to me. Things are really easily gotten. And now. We're facing it again. I, we're going to the grocery store and, and, I mean, it sounds weird, the type of things that we shop for that we can't find, but it is Maine. But we've been looking for seaweed forever and I'm like, we live on the ocean and <laughs> so you go to the we can't point. get seaweed. <laughs> so I do need it in the form of, you know, Nordy to wrap sushi in, but I still just need seaweed. Um, so this is not unlike then just with different parameters Pre- replace gas with toilet paper you know uh but everything in between those times the quote golden years i guess is when people could get what they needed when they needed it and didn't have to you know worry about gas rationing and i i that's the amount of times that we ran out of gas and had to push the cat push the car to the gas station it happened it was real <laughs> And you see people doing even, it. I literally can't imagine. I'm picturing uh, Nicole you, right now. She, if Nicole were to live in this time, she'd be like, just kill me. I don't even, like, it's too much inconvenience. <laughs> well, the thing was, is, and it's sort of like it was here for a, a, a little while, is that you would just sort of, uh, people would really step out and help people. If you saw a guy pushing his car to the gas station, you and like three or four people who had gas would pull their cars over and help the guy push it to the gas station. Or you would siphon gas out of your car and give it, you know, it was just very, it was almost like we were, you know, the country was being held hostage by this oil crisis created by the governments, but they were still going to get together and get it done and, and not let it affect their lives as much as they, you know, as much as possible. Um, Interesting. Hmm. And it was well, hot. The, I, it looked hot in the movie. And it was, you know, know the it valley. always is. The valley's I mean, hot. You know, the winter is what, the mid 60s? I mean, that's, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> back back to the movie. A couple yeah, yeah. other standout parts that I was thinking of that we haven't mentioned yet uh, that are like a little smaller. Uh, first, I know you don't like cringe or awkward, and I'm curious what you thought of this character. There's a character played by John Michael Higgins named Jerry Frick. <laughs> He runs the Mikado Hotel, and he has a couple of Japanese wives in this movie. And uh, <laughs> I was laughing so... My theater had about eight or nine people. It wasn't empty, wasn't full, just enough, and just the kind of people who would go to a movie like this. So thankfully, yeah. people were laughing when I was. It was one of the few times where I felt like, oh, these are the, these are my people in the movie, uh, in the theater. And his, his horrible... He does this horrible Japanese accent but speaking broken english and then his whoever is his wife at the time he has uh, two uh different ones and then they speak japanese and then by the last scene we he's revealed that he doesn't speak japanese at all he has no idea what any of them have ever been saying he just speaks (laughs) aggressively horrible broken japanese yeah uh, yeah that wasn't cringe for me was that cringe for you no, it wasn't, but I okay. I get the same joy out of I got the same joy out of it as I do watching cringe. That's why I thought maybe someone else would would feel that. Oh, but, I mean, um, there might people be people who cringe about because I mean it it's it's awful, right? I mean, it's well, thank God, thankfully, it's my it's one of the few times like I get to be oh yes, I I can use my Japanese ness to be like I uh, yes, it's is like I just feel it feels good to be the one being made fun of and being like oh, I'm not I'm not I'm not offended at this. Therefore, 
it's fine. Therefore, it's, it's, therefore it's, it's, it's not offensive. I'm like, is this how Jess feels all the time? Because she's all the races. She's a, I know. I'm like, if you were just if you were just bi or lesbian, Jess, you would have every base covered. You you could yeah. always be. You could always. And be if she were the, like missing right. a hand or something, you know, yeah, she'd, she'd cover everything. Quite yeah. worth it to do that. Uh, I don't but. think it is. No. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's one of those few times I got to I got to flex my minority piece. I'm like, oh, it yeah. was kind of funny because it was it felt a little um, out of place, kind of like it was a joke he wanted to stick in someplace somewhere in his movie career. It's unlike any other type of joke in the movie. It's it's completely yeah. unlike everything else. It is, but it must be something that he has, like a. Uh, experience with when he was growing up or you know what i mean i feel like i feel like it, it wasn't done i think it's all the, very personal but like yeah yeah but it wasn't done in a way like um i don't know how to explain it it was almost exactly what happened in those days between men who had you know asian wives japanese wives in particular so you say my grandfather um, I, speaks like this to my grandmother. Well, you know, there's the broken English that goes around, right? And that's what well, that he doesn't. From. I know, but she—he's basically—he's like a real translator. Like she she speaks broken English. <laughs> Ever like people get about twenty percent of the words she says, and then he translates it out. But he doesn't yeah. go. Oh, Hatsuko. Ooh, no, he doesn't do that. But that was the ex- character. That makes that was the extreme part of this guy. And that's what actually made it super funny is when you find out in the end that that he doesn't he, yeah. he doesn't speak any which of course you wouldn't expect him to. Like that's just that wasn't an expectation of, you know, an American guy marrying anybody from any woman from overseas i don't know how every actor in all those scenes kept together i don't know how many takes it took for all of them because he's so good too and he he is and he's so like like er, like he he thinks it's fine like he not only thinks it's fine he thinks it's like the right thing to do like he's completely earnest in doing it there's no uh there's no glib or sarcasm it's all like really what he thinks is the right way to do this well, and sometimes when he works, I don't know if this is all the time, but I know that he does a lot of improv when he's working. So I can only imagine that this might have even come, like that voice might have even come out of like an improv situation with him. I don't know. I have no idea if that's the case. But then it's even funnier and then it's even harder for anybody who's on set with him to keep it together. That's a, that's a profession. Those are professionals if they're able to keep it together and... <laughs> <laughs> with him yeah. doing that, if if they didn't see it coming, uh, also yeah. no, it was that good. I'm... I like it. It's like this is my this is oh no, she's gone. Miyoko's gone. This is Miyoko's, this is, is, is Miyoko. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the other big standout scene, and it's a it's a one scene. I don't think we ever see this other character again. But they go in to meet the talent agent, uh, Grady, uh, Grady Child Talent, or so. I, I think that's who it is. But they, it's the. It's uh, Alana or Alana and Gary go in, and Gary's helping her get in, get an agent. And get oh, right. The, the answers are no. Say yes, yes to everything. Say yes. Say yes. Yeah. And the close-up shots and the way that the the woman who plays, I think it's Mary Grady. I think that's the character I'm thinking of. But it is that scene. It, it killed me. That scene was absolutely wonderful. Everything about all of the. Little close ups, her, her cigarette, all the, the all the yeses up till show your boobs, and then yes, and then that's the no. breaking point too. And <laughs> yeah, uh, she, and then she says like weird shit, like 
yeah, you come in here all dolled up, but you're not, you're not pretty. You're a, you're a dog. You're like this pretty dog who's going to bite me. And I'm like, oh, what the hell is she fucking talking about? Yeah. I love, I really like that scene. That scene stood out. That had the, our small audience uh, cracking up. Really? Yeah. Um, I don't Lost over you? Was... Didn't that wasn't a standout to you? I really like that stood out. What was what? That scene glossed over didn't didn't stand oh, out to you as much? Not, not really. No, and our we didn't. I mean, there might have been eight people in the theater, and none of them were reacting at all to anything. Uh, and Daddy was audiences. talking. Yeah, it's pretty bad. And Daddy was talking to me through the whole movie like we were sitting in our our house. Um, so was he, confused or was he... <laughs> he kept, you know, like prompting it along. Oh, are they going to go do this? Or, oh, is this going to be happening? Or oh I don't God. even understand the licorice pizza piece of it. You know, and I'm like, oh my God. And finally it's just like, you have to stop talking because you're talking like <laughs> at a normal level and we're in a theater. This has to stop. So, um, you know, we he sit close enough old. where it would, people would be hard pressed to hear him because, you know, they're all behind us, but still um so that was i i had to get i had to get through a little bit to it would get. Been better if you just fell asleep at that point <laughs> no. uh, um, any other parts you wanted to mention i i mentioned all like the little standout parts the, the yeah. i wish the, i wish i liked the the sean penn tom Waits scene better where they're having like the stare down across the restaurant it's yeah. still good like i still enjoy my time with it it's just in comparison to some of the other vignettes i didn't i didn't love that part as much yeah, I didn't, I mean, they were fine and it was important because of what was happening. I have to tell you about a scene yeah. that for me was crazy to see on, on the big screen was when he's, uh, he has, I guess he's got these times where he has to get together with all the other kids that were in this movie with him and quote Lucy somebody, but we all know it's Lucille Ball. Right. Um, and she's and, a, a, a monster off screen. Yeah, totally. And we, you know, and that's only shown like once or twice or whatever but um so he keeps having to do these things and so one of them is going on like a talk show and the kids are doing um a song from the movie that they were in which i don't recall the title of in this movie but the movie is clearly yours mine and ours yeah Yeah. with henry fonda and lucille ball and that song is in the movie exactly and so i'm sitting in the theater singing along with the song because i that was one of the movies if it came on i was watching it so um, I was just like, okay, this dude, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, knows me. You know what I mean? I mean, we know we know one another. He's clearly the artist of, of between the two of us. But um, I was just stunned, and I would love to be like, who? That's just another one of those things. Like, who else is gonna get this? You know what I mean? People your age watching it are probably not gonna get it. Um, even if you're movie aficionados most of them have probably not seen yours mine and ours so i mean it's not um, a classic it's not really one people go back to it's not but i had it on you know a lot when you guys were little and there was a time when you, <laughs> you probably don't remember this but you were really little and you'd walk around going i'm 11 red a i'm 11 red a because that was one of the ways that they determined the kids determined uh, like, what like room they were in what bathroom they went to i don't remember what the other thing was but um i'm 11 red a i'm 11 red a uh so that's that was fun for me to see and to kind of figure out how much of a you know little superstar he was based on what sort of happened with the kids that were in that movie one of them is tim matheson so he did pretty well for himself 
Um, so yeah, I liked that. I liked that a lot. I felt like I felt a little bit like somebody had been reading my diary. So here we go. I got something for, uh, for the based on here. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's one of his close friends is a guy named Gary Goatsman, who was a child mm-hmm. actor, and he was in the original Years, mm-hmm. Mine, and Ours with Lucille okay. Ball. And, uh, they were on the Ed Sullivan Show at one point, and he eventually started a waterbed company and a pinball arcade. And then at one time, he also delivered a waterbed to John Peter's house. So, there you go. <laughs> so, this movie's completely biographical for Gary so Goatsman. So, you go back like, I don't know if I could really buy it. Apparently, Mr. Gary Goatsman uh, did indeed do all of these things. And he was born at in the 15, 50s. though? I, I well, he was born in the, fifth, in the mid-50s. So, he would have been, I mean, at the, yeah, at he the been oldest late 17. teens, early 20s. Yeah, yeah, so, not much older. Maybe five years older at the most. Um yeah, there you go. Gary goes. I buy that more as a seventeen-year-old than I do buy as a fifteen-year-old. But yeah. that's another thing, though. He he's big and he looks older. Like he's he's grown. He's like pretty grown up for a fifteen-year-old. Like yeah. in comparison, like some of the other f- kids around his age clearly look younger. Um, but he feels like Danny DeBonaduce to me. Like that's the that's the vibe I get from him, and that's not a good vibe. I liked him. I thought he was. I like. I liked rooting for him. I I, I enjoyed him. Yeah, and I don't really I, care so I, he much looks about a lot him. Like his father, but the only thing that I really got from him about his father is I, I think he's a good actor. Philip Seymour Hoffman, his better characters were often the more meek, submissive characters. He had good, like, like more boisterous, confident, over the top villainy kind of characters too. But he, his, I, the performances I love him the most are his much more meek performances. I, I felt I felt him more in his mannerisms than I did in like his. I don't know, acting style or whatever, but there were mannerisms, like the way he would walk. It looked exactly like his dad. He'd have a little half smirk on his face. Very Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know. Uh, Maybe that's just something that that's not something he tries to do. I think it's just him being the son of, you know. It's possible. Draw comparisons to the Douglases or the Sheens. Like Emilio and... and, uh, and, uh, Charlie. Char and Charlie, not no Emilio and the the dad Martin look fucking oh, yeah. the same and like act yeah. exactly the same. Charlie's the only one who is a little a little different, but like <laughs> Emilio is just like copy paste uh, Martin. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, do you have any other part? I mean, there's lots of cameos here too. Maya Rudolph's in a small scene. John C. Yeah. Riley is in the background as a guy playing her, uh, Herman Munster. Uh, oh, that's John C. Riley. That's that's John C. You can hear his voice, funny. and it's very yeah. yeah. It's it's very clearly John C. Riley, uh, who has worked with that whole uh, bit was weird. Is, what is it that that whole bit was weird? Where it was be like, come come to the celebrity showdown kind of thing or whatever. Like, what is this? A cavalcade of stars in like a old building? I don't. It's some understand. sort of like co- old Comic Con, but not quite focused yet. Like, <laughs> right? It's like a mix between the Comic Con, like a trade show, and like yeah. Really, yeah so <laughs> get your waterbed and a got autograph from her. Yeah, from an and Lily like there's Munster. yeah, you get you get like old stars and like people selling shit. I don't know. It was uh, the it was it's unfocused. But but that, again, I, that rang true to me. Like, yeah, this is just a place where like you just shove a bunch of people that sell things. Who cares? Like, fucking it's a swap sell. Yeah, exactly. Like, who cares if you're buying a, a monster autograph or a waterbed? It's all the same garbage. And just right. give me the money for the thing. Like, and I, and I don't. I don't remember you like ever being able to buy a waterbed without having like a 
waterbed setup because a waterbed is just a big pillow of water and you have to have something for that to be like contained in so uh yeah and also them flooding you know barbara's house barbara and john's house i was like did that really happen because that's a shit thing to do i don't care how bad you know that guy is to you it doesn't sound like in real life that would have happened. Otherwise, it probably would have been noted here, or maybe he never got caught. But uh, yeah, no, that uh, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Um, that's that's about all I got for this. I really liked it. I liked pretty much all of it all the way through. Very PTA. I either liked or loved all of it, except for that last couple of minutes because I just didn't end on the, the note I wanted it to end yeah. on. But other than that, and and that did take it off like a whole half star. Like that really did like dent it. But otherwise, I yeah, really enjoyed this top half PTA. He's only made nine movies, and I think he's only ever made one bad one. Heron Vice, completely complete guy. I've only given it one tra- chance, but like it's just, I just I yeah. have no fucking idea what's happening in that movie. Um, <laughs> There's so many other things to watch. Do you know yeah, what liquor, know. licorice pizza is? Do you know what that is? It's the it's a record. The uh, record chain, right? Chain yeah, of, uh... it was a record chain in in California that was, I think, bought out by Sam Goody, probably. Um, oh. But you know, licorice pizza because it looks like a pizza. Your album looks like a pizza, but it's black and looks like licorice. It's licorice pizza. It's a clever name. I like it. Yeah, it was I good. I, drafted, I... I remember when I drafted it in the draft. Uh, uh, Jess said you because. <laughs> She's a very literal person. Yeah, before beforehand, this was gonna be called the, the working title was Soggy Bottom, which is way worse. Uh, which is that's what the the that's the bed company's called. Also a terrible name, yeah. Yeah, terrible name for the bed, terrible name for the movie. Licorice Pizza, yeah. much better. Um, so you're gonna recommend Licorice Pizza? Okay. Uh, in my world, I think Licorice Pizza is. It's going to be limited to people that I grew up with, probably. And I know a lot of them still. So, yeah, sure, I'll recommend it. Did you see Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I did not. Okay, you got to watch that, that and let me know what you which one you think is better. Because I think, in general, I like Tarantino movies more. Like, if yeah. you just throw one up. But, and I, again, two guys that I don't think really make any bad movies. I think they just kind of make great shit all the time isn't but there I someone on this. fire for a long time in that movie though because and you know that yeah and that's one of the best scenes honestly in my opinion <laughs> but well, yeah but there, it's yeah. but it's not it's like it's like kill doesn't bill matter. violence it's like not like it's it's silly looking i don't like kill bill violence either so i like kill bill that's good that's one of his better yeah no um yeah i totally recommend this top half pta uh if you're a fan of his you'll get exactly what you're looking for um and more yeah, and I think unless I, I just like even though like it's so specific, there's no the plot is so loose and like it's like suit and it's I wouldn't even call it meandering because it really does stay on track. It's just you have to like you have to just be able to follow like you have to just be with it. You can't like you can't need exposition. And I think I, I didn't need it. I was able to follow like I understood where everyone was and the time and place. I didn't think it was that hard to follow, but it is loose. Like it's it doesn't. It's a, it doesn't hold your hand, um, and it's all California based. So if you have an either have an aversion to things that you don't know the area, or like it just, it's going to bug you. But yeah, and I know that seems like it's a lot of people, but I still would just I, I like I. This is such just such like a quintessential film, a quintessential like film. Why I like films is is a movie like this. So 
Uh, two two recommends of varying degrees. Yeah. It sounds like. Uh, but Licorice Pizza. We'll see. Top five's coming up. We're the only ones who saw this, so we'll see if oh, it okay. ends up anywhere. I, I you know not that it would end up anywhere for the other two, but uh, yeah, although just did put on their top five. I think just put Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as their least favorite movie of that year that we did that. So, and I was like, <laughs> we watched a lot oh. of garbage. We watched like some garbage that year. She put that as her least favorite. I'm like, yeah, it's. <laughs> Sometimes it has to do with Jess, though, like how many times she has to go back to it to finish it. Like if it's more than two times that she. Has well, she to had go to watch that in it. theaters, and it's a two. It's a two. Oh. It's like two hour oh, forty five. But no. she hated it. She like absolutely yeah. hated yeah. it. Like I think she was on that review for that one. She like yeah. could couldn't stand it. <laughs> yeah. She thought it was terrible and boring. And then the last twenty minutes happened, which is where the fire scene and a bunch of other crazy stuff happened. And then she was like, "And now it's even worse." And like <laughs> <laughs> the best part. Right. And now it's all right, just like yeah, you didn't like it. I mean, you're <laughs> the vast minority, but um, yeah. All right, so th- this is. I think this is it until our top five show. So we got that. Uh, okay. And then we're taking a couple weeks off, and we'll be back at the end of the month for some listener suggestions. Uh, we'll get a, we'll have another um, host pick, whoever's up in the rotation next. Can't remember. Uh, and then yeah, back on the regular schedule for the new year. We'll have to sift through some early year garbage, but uh, you know we'll get back to good stuff eventually. In the meantime, if you have anything to recommend to us, we're going to be doing them soon. So get them in if you want a shot at being recommended. Or uh, being on the show, we'll, we'll say your name if you would like it too, if, you, if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> Films with the Women in My Life on Facebook. Reach out to me on Instagram. I am Brennan underscore pod host. And you can email the show, filmswiththewomen at gmail.com. Thanks for being on, Mama K, for Licorice Pizza. Sure thing. Till next time, this is Brennan signing off saying thanks for listening and enjoy your movies. Thanks for listening to Films with the Women in My Life. If you enjoyed being a listener in our life, please rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Keep up with the latest from the show on Instagram at Brennan underscore podhost, on Facebook at Films with the Women in My Life, and on Twitter at Films Women Pod. Finally, you can email the show with questions and suggestions at filmswiththewomen at gmail.com. Original music for the show was created by Ian Burke and Chris Iwanek. Original artwork created by Nicole D'Alessio. This show is produced by Brennan Snyder. Thank you again for listening and enjoy your movies.